Hi, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Brown Eyed Junicorn. I realized for like weeks and weeks on end, I had been saying, hey, everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Brown Eyed Junicorn. So today I dug deep, deep into my well of synonyms and I came up with amazing. So you're welcome. Um, Today's guest is a truly delightful human being and a hugely talented actor. You may know him from Prison Break or Scandal or Private Practice or Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce or Imposters or I Feel Bad. Honestly, I could continue for like another 10 minutes, um, but I want to get to the episode, so I won't. But he has like an insanely huge, impressive body of work, like major career goals. Um, We had a super rad chat about our mutual hometown of Chicago and his career. And of course, because it's me, we went on all the fun pop culture tangents. So yeah, it was great. So without further ado, wait, also, sorry, I was like housing a nice coffee this entire time right into the microphone. So I'm so sorry for my disgusting gulping sounds from time to time. I just had to caffeinate, but this isn't about me. It's about Paul. Okay. So without further ado, Here's Paul Edelstein. Hi, Paul. Thanks for being here. Hi, it's nice to be here. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for coming all this way and answering questions. My pleasure. It's taken a while to organize this. I feel like this is like a really like epic moment. You canceled a lot of times. I didn't cancel. You're employed and I'm not. So that's what happened. Mm. Um, so to start things off, you're a Chicago person. You're from Chicago, right? I am. Okay, so I want to do like a little like Chicago rapid fire round of questions. Okay. And you have to answer them, honestly. Okay. And how, do I have to answer them quickly? No, that's, that's why like rapid fire isn't the right term. Like if we go on a tangent about deep dish for 45 minutes, like I'm, I'll be perfectly happy. Okay. Okay, what's the best deep dish in Chicago? My pie. Really? I've never been there. Was it when I was a- still there? I don't even know if it's still there. Oh. Could be gone. Well, my answer is Lou Malnati's. That's probably the consensus vote. No, but I remember one time this kid I knew like moved to Chicago from Texas and I knew him from like an acting program I did and he was like he was like Giordano's is like easily the best pizza in the city and like went around thinking that he was I like I do love Giordano's. I mean, so do I, but you can't like move there from Texas for like 2 weeks and then suddenly think you're the authority on deep dish. You just can't. Correct. You just can't. Best dive bar. Well, it's gone. What is it? Marie's Riptide was the best dive Where bar. Where was it? It was uh, an Armitage just right, like literally under the expressway. Uh-huh. Um, well, that and the Lake uh, Lakeview Lounge, which was north of the Green Mill. Oh. They had a band in there called Night Rider, they might have been called. Uh-huh. Behind the bar, and they... It was a tiny bar, and they had a full rock band of old That's guys exciting. back there. But they turned down low enough that it wasn't obnoxious. So you could still like hear yourself? 100%. It was like listening to a nice radio, but they were playing. That's dope. It was pretty fun. And then Marie's, yeah, Marie's was, you know, kitschy, amazing, great bartenders. That's the and best. And then became kind of overrun, but that still had to go there. It was just great. Just because it was like your spot? How often did you go? Well, it depended on the year. There were a lot. Like if you were years. having a good year no, or a bad year. Well, no, not even. I mean, the thing about Chicago is that there are, first of all, bar times, actual bar time. Mm-hmm. Not like Los Angeles, which is one fifteen or something. It sucks. Well, you could go until like four a.m. and I did. Well, in Chicago, they're four and five. Yeah, bars. that's what yeah. I'm saying. And you know, when you're young, and you have. And you work at night, usually you go out afterwards. It's not a big deal. That's you, where all my money went. You meet, it, you meet at midnight. Yeah. Can't do that here. Yeah, I know. I actually really miss it. Like, it's definitely healthier. Like, LA is a healthier city overall. But I still miss just having the option to, like, act reckless until 4 a.m. That, that lined up well with my uh, age and uh, means at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of money and I was very young. So, yeah, stay out late. How much trouble can you get in if you can't really afford to do that much? True. See, I just... And I drank a lot of beers and... I lied to myself. I just went out even if I couldn't really afford to do that much. I get that. It was pretty No, dumb. we did too, but it was mostly bar crawling. It wasn't... Uh-huh. It wasn't clubbing. What no. do people do? Clubs? Restaurants? Like Clubs. I wasn't going out to a... Re- you know, couldn't yeah. Do, couldn't do that. Worked in. Couldn't go to. Yeah. No, I, I mean, to this day though, I'm more of a dive bar person than like a yeah. seedy person. There's good dive bars in this city. I have to find them. They are here. More so, I would say, now than in Chicago because... What? Well, 
there's huge parts of the city because it's so spread out. There are these little pockets that haven't quite gentrified. So there are. Totally. Where Chicago feels like, unless you go northwest side or mm-hmm. south side, south side, that there's none of those little neighborhoody places anymore. I like Nisei. That's one of my favorite dive bars. Where's that? It's um right by Wrigley Field. It's like one of the OG like Wrigleyville bars. And I hate Wrigleyville bars, but like you kind of have to know about it to want to go there. Huh. And I had a friend who bartended there and I would go like every Monday and just be like, hey, unless it was like Cubs season. And then I'd be like, nope, because mm-hmm. it was just amateur hour. Mm-hmm. And then Tiny Lounge became my favorite bar when I moved up to Where's Ravenswood. Well, it was in Ravenswood. And now oh, I love that neighborhood. And then they moved and then they moved again. I think they're on like Navy Pier. Yeah. Um, it's a great group of people. But that bar was also beautiful. Ravenswood is the shit. I used to live like right near Lincoln Square, so like around. Oh, there. I did and too, was, and then I moved the a little further east. Yeah, it was the best. Lincoln Square was cool. The shit that you can get in Chicago for your money, like I really miss it. Like if I were to ever move back, I'd probably live in that neighborhood. And I lived in Roscoe Village; that was cool too. I never lived in Roscoe Village, but I always liked it. It's a dope spot. What's your favorite season in Chicago? Um, fall. Same. All four days of it. Yeah, right. Oh, but they're the most magical four days ever. They are. It's a. It's. I love fall, but um, there's some great spring days in Chicago too. True, and the summer's m- brutal. It sucks. Everyone likes summer there except for me, because I stick to myself. It's. It's all about your proximity to water. Yeah. 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 I'm at a point too where like I can't just like lay out and tan if I'm not by a body of water. Right, I never understood that. Like, either. I can't just like lay out in a backyard. Yeah, I don't get that. I would die. Right. Yeah. Unless there's a pool in that backyard, right? Which in the city, I don't think is even. I mean, like a rooftop pool. Stitch. I guess in one of those big, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't my journey. Right. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Chicago beer? Chicago beer. Mm-hmm. Does old style count? Does it? I don't know. Is that it's a, not a Chicago beer? It might be a Milwaukee beer. It's probably a Milwaukee beer. Wow, so you're not like a craft beer person. No, I am not. Oh, I am. Oh, no, but I'm no. like a millennial, so like yeah, it's I don't, par I don't, for the course. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Why? Um, I'm a Philistine. I, I'm not saying I'm a Philistine. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm, I know better. I'm, uh-huh. It just, I find it uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there's differences, but I like, Beer, beer, like I guess lager is what I've learned to order. That's fair. I don't like those other tastes, so I don't really care about differentiating them. And I think that it's gotten a little out of hand. It's a little precious, but I'm someone who doesn't really get the differences between wines. So I'm a Philistine. Philistine? I'm one of those two things. It's like Edelstein, Edelstein. Correct. (laughs) But you know, I, I like different. Whiskies, so I, don't, I guess maybe I'm just. I don't have a good a beer whiskey snob, palette. Or the opposite of a beer snob. I went through a period where I was so obsessed with IPAs that I could literally pound like six Lagunitas IPAs in a row, and then don't I, would, like, I don't even know what language. Fall down. Well, IPAs You're... are just really like they're like bitter. They're like hot. Oh, I know. I can't. And I mean, I, I used to drink. We used to drink like Guinness and Bass, or just Guinness. I can't do Guinness. It's brutal, but it, you know, once once you kind of get into it, it. It works. One time I had a car bomb that curdled and it just like ruined it for me forever. Isn't that when you drop the Baileys in the in the Guinness and you have to drink yeah, it before it curdles? I thought it was, was Baileys. I thought it was Whi- whiskey and Baileys in a Guinness. Jameson. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh my God. it's a whole thing. It's Irish a whole car thing. bomb. Yeah. Did you ever do the St. Patrick's Day Chicago thing in your youth? Uh yeah, I had a very I mean, formative experience uh, when I was twenty. Do you want to tell us? Um, Billy Goats. Why? What was the experience? Uh, me and my friends from high school uh, went out as we were wanting to do. And we went, do you know what Billy Goats was or is? No. I've heard of it. Maybe. I don't know. It's an amazing, amazing hole in the wall burger mm-hmm. place downtown where all the journalists used to go. And it was it was made famous on Saturday Night Live. Oh. Belushi did this cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Coke, Coke thing. Mm-hmm. A, a Greek, um, what's it called? Not deli, but um, what's a hamburger joint called? A hamburger joint? No, it's called like a... A diner? It's not a diner, though. You can't get eggs. I guess it's a burger stand, stand. but it's inside. 
Okay. With a bunch of tables. Anyway, Mike Ryko used to go there, all the journalists. Uh-huh. Anyway. Wow, what a terrible story. Anyway, on <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, they would serve green beer. And it was before St. Patrick's Day became... The shit show that it is today. Yeah, like... It's awful. Like, you know, New Orleans on crack. Just yeah. And so we went. Street. So we went there, we drank green beer, and we decided to start a band. And we did. Is that still your band? No, Doris? but I'm still friends with all those guys, and they all still play music. And it was kind of one of those events where you, I had... I was in a theater company. I mm-hmm. just joined that summer, mm-hmm. and we had started playing music together. And we were like, "Let's do this," and it was a bit. So we we're always commemorating it. That's cute. Yeah, that's fun. And so that's not really a St. Patrick's story story. It just happened to happen on. St. But Patrick's then Day. you knew the anniversary every. We year. knew the anniversary. We would go back every year. That's cute. Yeah, that's a fun story. What's your favorite Chicago sports? I didn't team? tell it well. Like, should I tell it again? I don't do you know. want to start over? We can just cut around. It's terrible. <laughs> What's do you want to tell it again? I don't know. Should I? What's your favorite is this gonna Chicago be in, Is this going to be in the thing? You're going to cut can, it out. I can cut around. I know what, you can, but are you going you like. to? I haven't listened to enough to I know love whether you. This power. You did the trippiest podcast like two weeks ago. Why are you worried about this one? I'm not worried. You're very concerned. Well, I'm not. I don't want to sound like a rambling, self-important mm-hmm. idiot. Although it is a podcast. That's what um, I do. Why you? So I'm just saying, don't um, feel bad. What was your next question? What's your favorite Chicago sports team? Um, I love all my children equally. Uh-huh. But um, Bulls and Cubs, mostly. See, I have... I, I'm happy that I left Chicago because, like, I used to work at a restaurant that was, like, pretty close to Wrigley Field. And it was, like, a family restaurant. I mean, that's tough. And we got so murdered on Cubs games that's, that, like, I resented when yeah. they did well. But like I, I mean, I like when they do well. Yeah, but that whole scene is rough. It's intense. It was intense. But and there was also a time I used to live like on Addison. I lived on Addison when they won the World Series like a few years ago. And there was this one time where I was taking the bus home, and this girl like passed out on me and was like falling all over herself. And my thing is like, you can love a team that doesn't like give you a license to act like a dick. Right. There's also a thing at Wrigley Field. I think that especially when they were bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's still going on. It was just a place to go mm-hmm. get hammered, mm-hmm. um, which was which was people loved. I guess it was, but it was real broy, real broy. Um, it is a beautiful ballpark, though. They redid like the shit out of it. Did you see it recently? Always been beautiful. Yes, I have. It's like it's like intense. There's like a hotel there. Really? There's yeah. That I haven't seen. There's like they put a smoke daddy over there. They put a big star tacos over there. They they knocked down the Taco Bell. But there's still a McDonald's, so I'm good. <laughs> What's your favorite fast food? This is not a Chicago question. I mean, uh, McDonald's. I don't have it anymore, but McDonald's. I mean, does In-N-Out count? Uh, yeah, I guess. Then In-N-Out, I guess. But I mean, I like my whole life better. it was McDonald's. It's kind of a, it's kind of. <laughs> the essential fast food. It's true. I have a. a it's v- gross. I mean, can you eat McDonald's now? I was literally just going to say, I have a Valentine's Day tradition that I started in college where I get myself like $20 worth of McDonald's oh, and eat it. It's not that hard to do. Do you get sick? Well, no. Because because I get I get like small things. Like I'll get like one small cheeseburger, but then I add mac sauce, and then I get like a six-piece chicken McNugget, and then I get a large fry, and then I get a Coke, and then I get a Blizzard. Or I'm sorry, McFlurry. M&M. Do they still make apple pies? Those like little ones <laughs> in, that come in like a sleeve? I think so. It's a good question. I don't know. They had McLobster when I was in college. In That's Maine. fucked up. Fucked up. Did you have it? No. You wouldn't be here to tell the tale if you Correct. Did. Ew, that is foul. Foul. And I may be making this part up, but you're probably too young to remember when they had the styrofoam. The burgers came in styrofoam. I don't know. Whatever those are they called. They always came in cases. Yeah. There was a lobster-shaped one from McLobster. I may be making that part that up, is but that fucked. is in my brain. That is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't fuck with fast food fish. I know people that love uh, Long John Silver's. I know. Like, love it. Never been. Love it. Can't do Taco Bell either. Yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't grow up around one. Like, they didn't have one in Highland Park because Highland Park was like, we're too classy for a Taco Bell. (laughs) And so they just didn't have one. Um, Did you go to, um... Hackney's? 
I fucking love Hackney's. <laughs> the potato skins there are fucking amazing. It was My those family loved that. Crazy shredded place. onions. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a brick of shredded onions. Shredded fried onions. Yeah. And I guess there's onion rings that you like put through a paper shredder. Yeah, yeah, but they were like all like stuck together in like a giant brick. Yeah. My family loved Hackney's. That was like we're going to a nice dinner and we're going to Hackney's. That was like a Sunday night thing. Yeah. Do you remember when? I found it always a little depressing. It is a little depressing. I guess Sunday night's just a little depressing, period. As a server, that's like when all the freaks come out to play. Oh, I just mean as a child. Why? Because you had school the next day? I guess. As a server, I hate it because it's always like the weirdos from the suburbs that are like, well, let's go out to eat. And then they like don't want to pay Sunday? for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be more of a Saturday thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> last Chicago-centric <laughs> question. <laughs> what? Way to stick to your guns. Go on. <laughs> um... Who's your favorite Steppenwolf company member? Just no kidding. Just kidding. I wasn't actually going to ask. Uh, so that's really all my questions. I can say Mahoney because he passed away and he was the kindest man. And no, everybody Aww. there would say he was the kindest man. That's cute. Because he passed? No, that he was the kindest man because he was so likable in everything he ever yeah, did. Yeah, he was, he was that guy. I remember in Say Jenny, Anything, I always feel so bad for him. You do? Yeah, and you're not supposed to. Well, it's so I well do. cast. I mean, he's so good in that role. Oh, my God. He's, like, hiding in the bathtub, and he's just like, I'm so fucked. Like, I'm going to go to jail. And Ioni Sky, I'm so happy she's acting again. Is she Is she working? She was just in that show Camping on HBO. Oh, she was? Mm-hmm. The Lena Dunham like, show. Ioni, what's up, girl? Love her. She was also in this great River Phoenix movie called A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon that I have on DVD. Went through a really intense River Phoenix phase. My mom was we all like, did. you know he's not living anymore. And I was like, I, that's not the point, Mom. I'm going to collect his movies. Um, what's your favorite River Phoenix movie? Ooh, I mean, I guess Stand By Me by default. But if we're going like obscure, no. Running on Empty is that's so good. That's not obscure. That's like essential no, I'm viewing. Saying, I'm saying that's like, are you talking about Stand By Me, No, right? no. No, I'm talking about Running on Empty. I feel like no one knows about that movie. Isn't it a Sidney Lumet movie? Didn't he direct I it? I think so. I mean, the movie's amazing. I have it on DVD. And Plimpton's amazing in that movie. Yes, and Christine Lottie, Lottie and, and Judd Hirsch. They're all great. It's a great it's movie. Like, it's like maybe it's like a it maybe like a more complicated ordinary people. I don't know. It's such a good movie. Judd Hirsch, like between those, I guess two that movies, there's a Judd Hirsch. Yeah, Venmo. he's the through line. Venmo? No, Ven, not Venmo. That's something different. <laughs> You're gonna Venmo me for being here. Venn uh-huh. diagram. Yeah, yeah. Judd Hirsch yeah. is the Venn diagram. Totally, it's a great movie. But I also like Mosquito Coast because I love seeing River Phoenix and Martha Plimpton together because they were dating at the time. And she has that scene where she's like, "I think of you when I go to the bathroom," and he's so uncomfortable about it. And it's right. adorable. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite River Phoenix movie? Uh, Running on Empty. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. We have the same answer. Um, I don't think I ever saw my own private Idaho. I I always say that's like the OG Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I guess it is. You know? And it was like way more taboo at the time. Like to have these two heartthrobs that were like lovers in a movie. Right. And like prostitutes, gigolos. Right. There's, there's a lot going on there. It's Gus Van Sant. His stuff's always kind of wild. I yes. love it. Yes. Love it. Um, okay. Career stuff, Paul. Yeah. Um, how did you okay so you're like basically like lady gaga in that you're a musician who also acts and i have a horse and you have a horse that writes with me mm-hmm. oh yeah. the horse died though I'm, i know I is know. that sad um yes way to bring it up <laughs> okay. i don't have a horse by the way but you you're a musician and you act you do okay. a million things but like which happened first um i guess music just because you can make music when you're tiny and not really act when you're tiny yeah, until you're in true. school I guess or yeah. you can do little skits and stuff uh-huh. but I just there was always music in, uh-huh. in the house and there was a piano and what do you play uh, I grew up playing piano and lessons and I started playing guitar too when I was around 18 so those are my two that's things. cool yeah um and you're still in a band ish ish sorry did I did I bring did no not at all everyone um I played in Chicago for years and then I found guys out here to play with and they're wonderful, but, um, you know, they're professional musicians and so they travel and mm-hmm. have to paying jobs. Well, you always end up playing music in the um, stuff that you act in. Not always. Just sometimes. In, just and I feel bad. Well, it's great. It was fun. I enjoy it. Um, and then, uh, but I'm, I'm going to play a show soon with a friend, with a new guy 
who just wants to do kind of an acoustic-y thing, which is Where? good for old people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Hotel Cafe. I don't know. Great. Can't wait. I had a friend play a show there recently. It's a fun place. Mm-hmm. I like that little room a lot. Yeah. She also had a show at the Mint recently. Didn't you play there once? I did play there once. Yeah. I just, that was a surprisingly fun place to play. I, always, I thought it was going to be... Like acoustically shitty? Yeah, but it's not. It's, it's yeah. It yeah. sounds really good there. It's a good time. So, so how did you get into the whole acting thing then? Professionally or just in my life? Whatever. Whatever you feel like answering. Um, I always did it in school. Uh-huh. Um, and including college. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. in between sophomore and junior year in college, um, a friend of my mother's friend's daughter mm-hmm. who was from Evanston was um, workshopping with New Crime, which is the theater company that John Cusack founded, mm-hmm. um, a Commedia dell'arte company that was kind of an offshoot of an L.A. company that mm-hmm. Tehran had started called the L.A. Actors Gang, which is Commedia oh. dell'arte um, theater company. Mm-hmm. Then Cusack started one in Chicago. And so she was doing this workshop and the person said, isn't your son interested in hearing him? She might be, he might be able to tag along with her mm-hmm. one night. I tagged along and long story short, I ended up joining that company, um, oh. staying home from school for a year not going back to college, doing two plays with them. And then when I, that was my first introduction to not only professional acting, but people who made their life as artists and mm-hmm. it was completely Mind-blowing. Mind-opening for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up around a lot of art, but I didn't, never thought it could be, well, first of all, I never thought I'd have the balls. And second of all, I never knew, how do you do that? Where do you get, you know, who do you talk to? Right. So being around a bunch of people who made a living at it or were trying to make a living at it or who had kids and a life, but also did this thing at various levels was really inspiring and especially given the work ethic that these people had and Mm -hmm. that it was a serious thing to devote your life to. It was really inspiring and I feel so lucky to have been exposed to it really because I think you need, there is no corporate ladder in Mm -hmm. the arts of Mm -hmm. any kind. And if you can find um, kind of signposts from people even if they're negative, even if you're like, I don't, that person, I don't think they're going about that the right way or yeah. that seems uninspired or I don't, whatever. And then, ooh, that, I like how that person moves through the world. Maybe I'll ask them a question. I think that can be really helpful. And, you know, I had people who were there to give me advice and so valuable. And here you are. And here I am. Wait, so, okay, so you did work with this dope company that like mm-hmm. sort of got you into things. Mm-hmm. And then... Did you ever go back to school or did that? Yes, I, I, I was home for jun- what would have been junior year. Uh-huh. It's a joke that I took junior year abroad in my parents' apartment in Chicago. <laughs> That's cute. Uh-huh. And then I took classes to make up credits at night and did all this stuff. Um, and then went back for my senior year so I could get my degree. And then when I was out of, got out of school... I was in this theater company and mm-hmm. started this band with my friends. So I, you were like thriving. I, I knew, well, I at, least, I at least knew what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was, uh, and I had, especially with the theater company, had a place to go work. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the hardest thing I think for most people getting out of school who want to act yeah. is wh- who's going to let me act? Where it's can I worst. act? Yeah. yeah. So I'd be in a company where we would do two plays in a year and they were six month commitments and an enormous amount of work. It was, hard and very challenging and paid zero dollars but it was a place to act yeah kind of everything it's really wild like yeah I feel like after I graduated school like years went by and I was like I couldn't tell you like what I did in that time like I wasn't acting at all for a while and it like kind of drives you a little nuts it can drive you it can drive you a little nuts you're not doing what you like to do yeah and you uh yeah and if you were in school doing it, you were kind of, it was just part of your life. Right. And then all of a sudden it's gone. I didn't, like senior year in college, I didn't act at all. But I couldn't wait to get back to start again. And there yeah. are those fallow periods where you just, it's tough. It's the fucking worst. Especially if you like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives you a certain, um, I don't know, Try not to be crude. Um, if you 
I don't know where uh, you're going. If it's where you get, if it's where you get your juju from, <laughs> yeah, you need sure. to do it. You but can't. Sure. You, you need to do it. Yeah. So how did you get involved with the Steppenwolf thing then? So um, I was in in that in New Crime in a theater company, and I auditioned at Steppenwolf a couple times. Was never cast. Builds character. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a lot of character. <laughs> and then I was asked to be. Oh, no, I did one. Sorry. I did one play there when I was 24, 25. Mm -hmm. And then auditioned for something else and didn't get it. But um, somebody was starting the new plays laboratory and they put a tiny little like side thing together of people to workshop these plays. Mm -hmm. They asked me to do that. That led to a couple of those plays being produced there that mm -hmm. I did. And then I did another play there. And so kind of got in that way. That's dope. Yeah. So you're still tight with all your wolf. I mean, folks. I haven't worked there in a hundred years, but I I know. Um, well, you got to work with Jeff Perry and Scandal. And I got to work with Jeff. I'd never worked with him before. I got to work oh, with he's Jeff so and nice. Scandal. He's a great guy. My dad and him are kind of friends. Oh, is that right? They went to high school together. Yeah. Oh my god! Right. But there was one time he ate at the restaurant that I worked at in Chicago, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and I was like, "Hey!" And everyone was like, "Oh my god, Spencer!" What Cyrus Bean? I know someone named Spencer, Spencer Bean. Bean. <laughs> Cyrus, Cyrus Bean, correct? Yeah. I'm not a scandal it's person. Fine. It's fine. I watched your scenes on YouTube, um, like a couple of them. Is Kay. that weird to hear? Nope. Um, but <laughs> everyone was like, "Oh my God, Cyrus Bean is here!" Da, 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 da. There was also another time that Tracy Letts came in to get a cookie with his wife, mm -hmm. and I saw them in Virginia Wolf together, and I loved them. And he's amazing. Yeah, he's my. I I'm allowed to answer that question. He's my favorite Steppenwolf member. But I literally in college had a picture of him on my wall with a heart around his face. What? And it said Hannah and Tracy forever. It was like a Shut joke. Shut up. No, but I, I had it over my desk because I thought it was funny to be like an acting major and like have that over your desk. And then when he came in to get a cookie, I like told my friend Cara, I was like, oh my God, I literally had his picture like on my wall in college. And she was like, like leaned over the counter and was like, she had your face on her wall. <laughs> what did you say? And he was like, what was I doing there? And I was like, I, whatever. And I didn't know what to say, but it was a funny, it was a cute little moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. He's lovely. Um, okay, so you acted there. Amazing. Do you... He said one of my favorite things about acting ever. What did he say? About doing... Well, about anything, I suppose, in terms of your own uh, evaluation of it. No, mm -hmm. your own analysis of it after the fact. Mm -hmm. uh, saw him in a play, Steppenwolf, and... What play? I think it was the Bruce Norris... I think it was Pain in the Itch. I think it was the Bruce Norris play. Mm-hmm. That Bruce Norris play, I should say. And mm -hmm. I said to him afterwards, it was deep into the run. And I said, how was this show mm -hmm. tonight? And he said, how did you feel about it? And he said, oh, they all have their particular charms. <laughs> and I thought, that's a good way to yeah. think about it. Because I could never help but saying to people, oh, man, this one moment tonight. I wish you had seen last night's because that really worked. Yeah, but tonight, for sure. It's kind of, you know, it all just goes out there and keep, totally. keep going yeah do you miss theater do you want to do it again only recently oh why do you miss it i don't know you just do i didn't you know i didn't love i'm not a i wasn't a theater animal in that way that some people are i loved acting mm -hmm. i did not do love doing long runs of shows that's how i am too yeah um i was real anxious mm -hmm. so it was you know it was challenging um um there were only a couple of long runs that i really felt were enjoyable and not a complete grind mm -hmm. i i have no shame in saying even though there's snobbery around it you know i was a f originally a film and tv junkie acting wise that's uh -huh. and that's why i wanted to do theater because i wanted to learn how to do it so i could do that thing that's how i was yeah i'm with you um of course you know getting involved in new crime was so great too because that is not natural there's no psychological realism there that right is, in extremist acting where you're foaming at the mouth and mm -hmm. extremely physically disciplined. It's almost, there's cope, like a kabuki element to it, mm -hmm. um, which obviously isn't for film, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but was incredible exercise and incredible. Just the uh, experience of it itself was a, a great joy. But it, you know, after a while I was like, I don't, this is too, not too hard, but, 
I should be enjoying it more. That's no, fair. I didn't like walk away from it or anything. Um, well, it's also I, hard to make a living doing just theater. Not that that's like the be all end all, but like it's 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 hard. Yeah, I just I just always wanted to get into the into film and, and TV. I wanted to act in front of a camera, mm-hmm. but lately I've missed the especially not being on a show consistently. I mean, I was in like November to or sorry August to November. Mm-hmm. You know, I you'd miss acting every day, like we were just talking about. Yeah, and so. And also the way that film and TV work, obviously you stop and start and stop and start and stop and start, which I sometimes love, but I do miss the, nobody gets to mess with us for two hours. Right, right. (laughs) The actors own it. Yeah, that's I think that's the part of it I miss. Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. And you get to like switch it up like all the time. I mean, not like a ton, but like, you know, your performance changes day to day because it has to. In small ways. Yeah, which used to drive me crazy. I think I would have more patience for that now. I remember once in high school, this senior, I was a junior at the time, got off stage in this play we were doing. We were doing Arabian Nights, which is pretty problematic given that it was we were just a bunch of rich white kids. That's a different conversation. This kid gets off were stage. Were you doing the Looking Glass Arabian yeah. Nights? Which, you know, we were all in like bras and like harem pants and I was like really fat in high school it was like terrible it's actually like those photos are in the bowels what of year was that um 2006 okay but so they did it okay well also Hiram when did Har- they originally do it like 94 95 like, yeah like the 90s but Highland Park loves to and I was lucky because they have a really good like they they have a really good theater situation yeah there. but sometimes it was just like Let's show off how much money we have and right. all the rights that we can afford while there are other schools doing Oklahoma five years in a row. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of bothered me. But I remember this kid came off stage and he was like, I killed it tonight. And I remember being like, I feel like there's something wrong with me because I've never, I know if I like bomb, like if something's just like, like goes majorly awry, but I've never known the difference between like doing okay and then like killing it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you're thinking about that, then how are you even present? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard thing to d- divorce yourself from, but it's, um, I had a director say it's none of your business mm-hmm. once, which is really cool mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be thinking about the person standing across from you, not the audience. Right. You know, there are certain situations where a certain energy comes back to you, which is one of the, another reason people love acting in front of an audience mm-hmm. is that there becomes a group dynamic. Right. And people can sometimes be like, ooh, that felt good. Right. I killed, like a mic drop, I killed it though. is an interesting I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's still acting. But I uh, just remember being like, is there something wrong with me that I don't think that every time I do a thing? And now I'm... You know, now that I'm not like 16, I don't really think about that. Anymore. Like, I don't uh-huh. Um, What day jobs did you have while you got started? The hustle. Uh, I waited tables for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I worked for a tour company mm-hmm. that some friends started, which uh, involved standing at the airport with signs and pointing to a bus. Cool. Taking them then company people to a restaurant and like signing the thing for the corporate whatever uh-huh uh, that sounds hard no it was not much hard. better than waiting tables waiting tables is the bane of my existence i mean i was such a terrible waiter why were you a terrible waiter um you just didn't give a fuck oh no i gave a fuck i just couldn't do it well oh i wasn't i didn't, yeah i totally gave a fuck i didn't want to get you know Can't. i needed the money and True. Wanted to do do good at what I was doing. I just I just couldn't. It's stressful. I wasn't well organized enough in my brainy brainy parts. Oh my god! It mentally and physically puts you through a lot. Yeah, I, I think I was also a little. I mean, I was lucky enough through high school and college to not have a job. Mm-hmm. Me too. So I also think that I was a little bit of a baby when I first yeah. started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was probably, in all honesty, a little bit of. Um, uh, a little bit of that. Yeah. I got better at it in the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but I'd much rather, you know, sit in a restaurant while a bunch of 
people from corporation eat steaks and I get to read a book in the corner and get like 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, that's so chill. Yeah. That's a great job. Um, And then I, what was, oh, delivering beds, delivered beds. Did you have to like lift up the bed? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You have to take the old, just, you have to take the old bed and deliver the new bed. And in Chicago, like where everything's like in an apartment building where you have to walk up a bunch of stairs. Yes. I could never. No, you probably couldn't. I no, like yeah, like I physically couldn't. But like moving furniture is literally my least favorite thing. Ugh. It's I found it satisfying because it's not your shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it stressful in that way. It was Yeah. It was just such a it was a many stepped, boring job. Delivering the beds, you mean? And driving around all of Chicago land in the U. Were you alone? No, I was with a friend actually, but it was well, that makes it more fun. hot in a U-Haul truck. That's a lot of a lot of talk of temperature. Uh huh. Uh huh. From the Jewish people. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you told me one time that you had some guy tell you that you wanted to be an actor and not a server. Correct. That like, was the last. You... That was my last day as a waiter ever. And you were just like, "You're right," and then you left. Francoise, yes. Um, <laughs> he fired me. That's amazing. I recently consciously uncoupled with a serving job you told me that yeah congratulations yeah we broke up with each other you had any contact no late 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 night texts of of regret no they were so mentally and emotionally abusive to young women in that restaurant that i was about to like rip them a new asshole on yelp and then i was like karmically that's not on my side and i'm just gonna look disgruntled and angry and like i'm gonna lose all ethos i have but i know the truth well, I'm glad you got out of that situation. That's yeah, awful. I know. I'm thriving. I'm broke, but thriving. Um, ba, 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 ba. When did you make the move to L.A. from Chicago? Um, 2004. Uh-huh. But I started coming out here in 1998 or 99. I would go back and forth mm-hmm. for months, weeks, whatever it was. For whatever you were I just never wanted time. to. Yeah. Um, I got a really good piece of advice uh, early, which was, which I also saw in uh, practice, but also um, was told directly later, which was, you know, don't go to LA until you're ready to ply your trade. Uh-huh. Learn your shit first. In other words, that it's not the place to learn; it's the place to do. I didn't do that. No, that's fine, and different, and it's not true different for everybody. It was true ways. for me. Mm-hmm. Certainly, um, mm-hmm. uh, this place would not have been set up for me to learn in a constructive way. So that was really helpful. And yeah. I, you know, I was still in that band, and I was still doing theater, and I wanted to be in Chicago. So I would come out here, and if I could find work, I would stay, and if not, I'd go home. What would you consider like your big break? <sighs> I don't. I don't know. You I mean, I would say new crime, honestly. I think yeah. without that. So it got the ball rolling. It got the ball rolling and it set, uh, like I was kind of saying, these kind of um, markers that I felt I could, or signposts or whatever the metaphor mm-hmm. you want to use that I kind of knew what I was doing. Steppenwolf was another enormous yeah. break opportunity. Bedazzled uh, is your big break. <laughs> yeah, sure. I yes. fucking love that movie. Okay, there you go. I watched it like two months ago and I felt really bad about myself because Elizabeth Hurley is just like so perfect in it, but like... Great film. Um, who was it? Gene Hackman who said the only thing you need to succeed in Hollywood is 50 or 60 good breaks. Oh, God. I'm way behind. I mean, I don't think... I think that's <laughs> right, though. I think that I, I could point to all these different things that are... Luck... Combination of luck, um, being in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. opportunity, taking advantage of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard work. Yeah, that's, you know... An opportunity is only as good as like what you do. What with you it. can do with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and not every. I think we all have this eat true Hollywood story thing beaten into our head, where you walk into a room and your life changes. Yeah. And that's true, but there's also a thousand other rooms you walk into, and it could have changed, and it didn't. Or yeah. Uh, you know, for good or ill. I mean. It's always looking back on it that it looks like a some kind of straight narrative, and it's yeah. not. Well, I asked you once, like, do you remember the moment where you were like, oh, my God, I don't have to, I can, like, make a living acting. And you were like, no, because it happened, like, multiple times. Yeah, that happened multiple times. Where you're like, I've done it. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. I have to do another job now. Right. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I think I was lucky that it happened in a gradual way, not Mm -hmm. in a massive way. Yeah. 
because you obviously see sometimes when people become very successful very quickly that it and then it goes away. It's very confusing. Then you get Lindsay Lohan and Meek and Oz. It can be very dancing on the internet. Very confusing uh-huh. for them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So you moved So here. not much of an answer. No, it, that's still an answer. I'll take it. Um and then you just did like a million things. Like a million TV shows, like a million. <laughs> So many. I mean, it looks like that. Well, like when I thought about like how I would intro you and how I will when you're not around, um, it's literally <laughs> like, like if I'm dead. <laughs> no, like when you're not physically oh. in the room with me. Oh. <laughs> um, it's literally just a list of you might know him from. You know, and here we are. I know you from Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce because I'm a Bravo head. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I love. Um, I always wanted to be. One of those guys. Mm-hmm. No, your career is like my ultimate goal. Like I want John Goodman's career. Yeah. I don't have it, but you know, you know what I mean. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy was on. He's in a bunch of Coen Brothers movies. He's one of the, on one of the greatest sitcoms ever. Yeah, he does. He like can do this. He can do. He can be in a drama. He can be in a thriller. Yeah. All this stuff. Play all these oh different kinds of roles. He was so scary in that Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, I never saw it. He's the oh, villain, right? It's fucking scary. Yeah, he's, scary. he's so good. I never thought I could be afraid of him, but I was. Um, so yeah. So I think that part of that, you know, sometimes people get that quickly and sometimes it just, just becomes pure volume. Well, you're <laughs> like a pure amount. You're always working though and you're always doing shit, but then you can still like go to the store and you're not like assaulted with like crazy people. Although actually when you were in private practice, did you mm-hmm. like, were the fans like really on your nuts? Like all the time? Um, the fans are serious. Shonda, Shonda fans are serious. Prison Break fans are very serious. Yeah, um, that's true. And you and girlfriends guide prison fans break. are serious. Bravo fans are serious. Yeah, but it's never. I've very rarely felt um, unsafe, uncomfortable. Well, I. I mean, you know, in that way. Yeah. I mean, uncomfortable. I usually feel, but For unsafe. Other you know, unsafe. Very rarely. Do I've seen f- it on, uh, with other people. It's horrifying. It's so scary. You know, I feel like the, the Shonda fans I've encountered in my life, and I'm, you know, I've watched, I've dabbled in the Shonda universe, but I'm not like, oh my God, Grey's Anatomy every week. Mm. But like, I feel like they get very like obsessed with the characters and like forget that like you're not Cooper, like you're a different person. Yes. Have you like... That's, I guess, I don't know what my question is. I just feel like as an actor that, like, no, I don't want to be like, it would be annoying because obviously you're on this great show that everyone loves and that's amazing. But, like. I, I, I was lucky that Prison Break, that I was recognized from Prison Break first mm-hmm. because people do have that thing where they project whoever it is yeah. onto you. And uh-huh. I played a, you know, a bad sociopath. Guy. And then you died. Uh, and so people were like, ooh, you're, and they would literally step back that's crazy um whereas i knew people on other shows who played more like cooper types and people just come up and pet them that's why because they felt like they were innocuous and they were from their tv i hate that uh and that was what cooper was like more but i was i i felt like i was already had already dipped my toe in that so i could handle it better i think if that was first it would have been a little weird Uh uh-huh yeah you know i think that they're probably I think Shonda fans get angrier with the writers than they do with the actors. Because they kill people off all the time? For all, for all that stuff. But I, I mean, people would say, you were mean to Charlotte. Yeah. They'd have to say, take it up with... <laughs> yeah. Take it up with the boss. That's true. Just but, doing my job. But, like, you get to play, like, inherently likable people a lot of the time. Sure. Well, it's because you're, like, a likable person. It's borderline annoying. Did you watch... You didn't watch Prison Break. I saw you kill yourself on YouTube. That's it. I didn't kill myself. Um, I thought you did. What's no, the show where you killed yourself? I never killed myself. I tried to kill myself, but the gun jammed. Oh, sorry. I didn't get that far. That's okay. Uh, and then I, I've been a bad guy before. I know you have. Not bad guy. That's the wrong way to put it. Although, you were chance in I was a full on bad guy. Yeah. Mob boss. Yeah. That's fun. That was fun. Yeah. It was a. It was a. I, not my. Yeah. Not my best work. Fun arc you had. What? I thought you did great. Was a, Not even just saying because you're like here. Thrown to the wolves. <laughs> don't, don't know what I'm doing. Oh, right. Can't be funny. <laughs> They're funny. You're not. That's hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. I want to do it again. I want to do that. I want. I, I want a, a, a do over on that one. That's fair. Um, I love that show, though, boy. It's, it's a great good. show. Yep. Um, I feel like the pinnacle of your career. Oh my gosh! Was when you. That's it. It's. I'm. I'm done. No, no, no. But thus far. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Golly. The pinnacle. Thus far. Has been. Jesus. When you got to do Watch What Happens Live with Kristen Doty. You've made it. Oh. Uh, you did it. Who's that's the, the Vanderpump, Vanderpump woman? Oh, she was yes. Was lovely. she fun to get drunk with? Did you get tanked on Watch What Happens Live? I had a couple, but I didn't get No, I did not get drunk. I knew better. That's a trap. It was I was there they do a good job of it. You know, someone sneaks in there and fills your glass back up constantly. I would be like fine. every time there's like your your glasses down to your right, let's say, on a little table, and you have a cocktail and it never gets less full that's it's like the mary poppins bag of drinks yeah so you're always trying to take that first sip that gets all the yeah yeah wait what were you drinking on watch what happens live do you remember i think a vodka and soda probably that's skinny of tito's, you. tito's and soda wow i think it was i think it was uh up front so oh, eat it i think it was up front <laughs> i don't know that's i like vodka soda that's i wish i did i really do i it's, think that that's a little bit. I think splitting hairs. If you're drinking hard liquor, I think you're, you know, more downside than upside. Okay, so you've directed, written, produced, acted. You're a real Renaissance man. Thank you. I think. No, that's a compliment. <coughs> I have this thing where I sound sarcastic even when I'm not being sarcastic. I'm working on it. Okay. Um, do you have like a favorite, or do you like them all? Um. For different reasons. I do like them all for different reasons. I mean, I think I am um, an actor mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And you know, not professionally, but a musician first as mm-hmm. well. I don't know if there, if there can be two firsts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, they're... Yeah. That's what I would say. Um, I, I think that I could, you know, I... Yeah. Keep going. No, that's it. I just noticed one of my neighbors is singing. I like so. it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, I want to do them all more. Yeah. What was the first, out of those like other things you've done, which was the first one that you did that like wasn't acting? Directing. And you um, liked it. I loved it. Was it hard like to adjust? Or was it easier because you were an actor first? It was easier. Be- I mean, it was, yes, it was, it was very challenging mm-hmm. i was totally set up to win i mean it was private practice so mm-hmm. it's a show I'd, we had shot i mean what did i i, sh- I think i directed episode 82 so and episode like- 100 and, or 99 or something yeah, yeah so you've been there a lot and mm-hmm. if you paid attention if you're interested in that kind of thing in the another kind of break mm-hmm. producing director said you're kind of interested in this you should hang around the village and you should ask these guys questions and don't be shy and so I did, and a couple of years later, he let me direct. That's you know, dope. Shonda, Shonda let me direct, and I kind of a, he had to be responsible for it if it would go if it was going to go awry. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was so much fun, and I was you're, it's such a lucky way to do it because you know it inside and out, so you know what it's supposed to be already. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to I don't know how people just walk on a set they've never been on before and kind of take over and know what the thing is supposed to be without weeks of prep or whatever. Yeah. Well, good for you. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And then directing Imposters, which is a show I co-created, was mm-hmm. amazing because nobody had to approve it. Yeah. I mean, the studio had to approve it, but I'm saying on set, I wasn't trying to really please anybody but right. myself and my partner. You just like do your thing. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want if show. you don't want to shoot if you don't want to shoot more than two, you know, if you want to shoot a scene in as a wonder and you think it'll work you mm-hmm. can that's an obvious example but you you can just make that decision you uh-huh. don't have to check with anybody that's kind of cool that's exciting yeah it also gives you obviously great uh great freedom to totally screw up mm-hmm. so you got to know who to ask and trust anyway. Mm-hmm. anyway but having that ability to kind of play in a sandbox like that is wow you see why film directors go completely crazy with power uh-huh in, in success or failure, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, But, I mean, it must be quite a... I mean, I can't imagine going out and shooting one of those big movies and it's like running a mill. It's like running a small army. I couldn't do it. I would be... I would be... 
stressed. Right. I'll bet after, if you spent enough hours on set though, if you're interested, some people right. aren't interested, but if you right. spend enough hours on set and you get through the adjustment to acting on film and where you're supposed to stand and mm-hmm. how many times, all that stuff, once you're comfortable enough that the anxiety <laughs> subsides a little bit yeah. and you can kind of just do your job, there's enough waiting around time where you finally look up and say, wait, why are we doing that? And then this, oh, I see. Cause and you start now I know tons of actors. Like when I was directing private practice, there were a couple actors who were way more experienced than I was uh-huh. and we'd be shooting something and they go, how do you know how to, I'd be like, what you've been doing this longer than I have. They're like, yeah, but I don't care. Right. And not everybody has to, it's not a criticism. It's yeah. Just an, you know, it's an interest that's there to, for, for the observing. And then you didn't direct any of Girlfriend's Guide. No. I wrote on Girlfriend's can Guide. Can I ask you something personal about Girlfriend's Guide? As personal as you can be on a podcast. Yeah. Where the fuck did Janine Garofalo go? What happened to her character? She moved to Seattle to sell out artisanal pickles. Oh, that's right. But why? Or is um, that like a thing that you can't say? I just loved her so much and I was sad that she wasn't there longer, even though everyone else on the show is amazing too. Yeah, there were... Just things. Yeah. Business stuff. I, I think st- creative um, differences, as they cool. say, in bands. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> but that's a legitimate thing, actually. Yeah, that's real. If there's creative differences and they can't be resolved at a certain point, it's in everybody's best interest to say this isn't working for either one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how the Armenian restaurant owners and I broke up with each other. Like Correct. that. Are you and Lisa friends in real life? Yes. Your last names are so similar, but not. Correct. Is, is she a Steen or a Stein? She's Edelstein. Okay, she's Edelstein. You're and I'm Edelstein. And we're definitely from the same shtetl. Yeah. And, and you, yeah. So it was like incestuous on girlfriends. A little it. bit. Which, Cute. Yeah. Did you guys use butt doubles or were those actually your butts? We didn't use butt doubles. So you guys just like stripped down on set like all the time? Yep. And that one like cute episode where you guys are like raging for the weekend. Yep. Loved that one. She's one of my favorite people. She's great. Is she just amazing IRL? Yes. That's everything I've ever wanted to hear. Yeah, she's a powerhouse and she's a joy to work with. Well, she's cool as fuck too because she's worked forever. Yeah. Her scene in Keeping the Faith is one of my ah. favorite things ever. She goes flying across the room and then she says that her headband was... <laughs> Why well, crack yourself up? It's just, just so funny. <laughs> can't say I love it. the keeping the faith reference. I I'm like chock full that's, of an obscure th- reference. That's right in your wheelhouse, though. What keeping the faith? Yeah. What do you mean by that? It's like a rom com about a rabbi and a priest. Yeah, I mean, it it's right amazing. in. Yeah. It's, it's the best thing ever. Right. And it's also such a sign of the times. Isn't Jenna Elfman a Scientologist now? I think she has always been. Really? I mean, I don't know if from birth, I don't know if she was born into it, but loved I her so. in that movie. She's loved her in Derma movie. and Greg. Um, anyways, what's your? Oh wait, will you tell my listeners about how you were almost on Grey's Anatomy, but you weren't because you were in like Be Cool or something? Was that what you were in? Yes, I had. I got. I got cast in a movie called Be Cool, and then um, I auditioned for Grey's Anatomy and tested and did all that crazy stuff and got it. Did some of my prep, went to surgery, costume fitting. You had your Valerie there. Cherish, like, well, I got it. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And then the date switched on the movie and it became a whole thing and I had to not do it. And it was pretty bad. Were you like, now there's so a, pissed? there's a like bad break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad break. Well, because you just had to watch it like soar to the sky. Correct. Well, and then I didn't work for a while. Really? Bill not character. because, of, not because of that, but it was a, bad combination of things yeah but then isaiah washington man like i mean that has nothing to do with you but like Correct. how wild how it all ended up shaking out you know what i mean yeah i mean but then you got to do private practice correct so yeah. it all worked out yes yeah. and you and kate know each other i mean kate one of back in the one day. of those waiting jobs was with kate that's amazing but i knew her before she got me the waiting job i didn't oh my God. i didn't meet her waiting Tables. I met her because I got, well, not because, but I got had gotten fired from the one restaurant. And mm-hmm. I saw her that night or I don't remember. And I said, I got fired. She said, oh, you should come. Oh, my God. And then you guys got to like be on a show together. That's yeah. And then so we cool. lived down the street from one another in L.A. for years. And then we're on private practice together. It was a joy. That's amazing. I love her in 13 Reasons Why. Have you watched it? I have not watched 13 Reasons She's Why. She's like, I mean, like not to shit on the show. But, you know, she's just so good. She's a really good actor. 
So the last thing I really want to ask you about, and again, like other pinnacle of your career thus far, you were an uncredited brunch guest in my best friend's wedding. I was actually, I thought I was groomsman number one. What? Well, that's not what IMDb says. Fuck, Fuck. IMDb. Also, why wasn't I invited to the Entertainment Weekly cover shoot? I was so obsessed with that shoot. I That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I have amazing picture of me and Julia Roberts on my phone. From She's when? walking behind from my best friend's wedding. Oh. Um, I had her on my answering machine, and my fucking roommate erased it. Fuck your roommate. They suck. I called to get my messages. This mm-hmm. is before. This is when you had to call it and then push your code yeah, to your yeah. answering machine. Mm-hmm. And it was my last day, and I just wrapped. And she was walking out of the church. And she was like, it was your last day. It was so great working with you. Thank you, Paul. She gave me a big hug. And I literally had the phone. And I was just like, oh, my God. It was like if I got to video it. Yeah. Except not. And then I got home and my roommate was like, I don't I don't. It just sounded like you were talking to somebody. I erased <gasps> it. Yeah. Were you so mad? Not really. You were a little like, it sounds oh. a little intrusive now that I say it. No, it's fair, though. Um. It's a fucking great movie. You know who I see all the time is Carrie yeah. Preston, who's so great in that movie. Really? Yeah. I don't see her all the time, but I bump into her and we always have a good Oh, that's laugh fun. About it. She's such an incredible actor. What was it like working on that film? It was the first film I... Oh, no. Second film I ever worked on. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I mean, it was... I didn't have anything to... They kept saying they were going to give me lines and mm-hmm. they never did. Mm-hmm. But I was on it for weeks and weeks. That's so fun. And then it became all night shoots, which is just a crazy, weird stand up all night to make the high school play feeling. Yeah. Um, I know they still do this, but that was, I guess, in the middle or the beginning of the kind of rom-com resurgence. So that uh-huh. movie was super fancy. Mm-hmm. You see that wedding... There were literally a hundred ta- like those weren't fake flowers in the background. That's crazy. There were everything was real, everything was beautifully done and on a massive scale. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, we shot that rehearsal dinner scene mm-hmm. for three days or something, mm-hmm. and that was all like every table had lobsters on it. And oh my god, that's like thing. one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's a great scene. Can are you like seeable? Like, could I? Point yeah, I mean, you out? a couple cutaways. I think. I'm sitting oh my over, god! Sitting I'll have there. to revisit. Yeah, I think. Uh, I remember we went and pre-recorded the song, <gasps> which is our our first day of work. So we went to Chicago Recording Company, which is beautiful. Recording, and it was just like you know, me and Andy White from Looking Glass. Yeah. Carrie Preston, Julia and- Roberts, Cameron Diaz. I don't even know if Rupert Everett was there sitting around a table singing that song. That's so fun. This is just a best friend's wedding question in general. Mm-hmm. Whose side are you on? Who do you think is more redeemable, Kimmy or Jules? Creme brulee or Jello? I don't. I think they both have their... Their charms. What did Tracy Letts say? They all have their individual charms. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of my best friends and I, like, argue about this all the time my best friend's like jules fucking sucks she's a bad person she doesn't deserve michael like she, she does, i mean she does some pretty bad things she right? does really shitty things it's Hans um Gun. that movie was a big hit right yeah but i think it was one of those things that like gained uh-huh yeah, yeah yeah continued to be a hit but also like it's the worst when like you like a guy and he's dating a girl who's like so great that you can't even be mad. You're like, I fucking get it. Right. That's, that's more painful because you're like, I can't be mean to her. She's what, awesome. What did Cameron Diaz done before that? The Mask, I the guess? The Mask Which was I like her, her big break. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then she got to be Kimmy and she was the best. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I wonder how old Julia was. Julia Roberts was then. 35 probably. Oh, Not even. Well, it's weird to watch. It was kind of considered her... Not comeback, but she hadn't had a hit in a while. Yeah. I remember it being a big deal that yeah. she was doing a rom-com. That... Oh, I love her in it because she's like the anti-hero and because it, it it's not a perfect love story. Like she doesn't get what she wants in the end. You know, they reshot that ending. What was supposed to happen? Um, 
we this is inside scoop. I don't know if this is. I'm sure this is all inside scoop. I'm sure this is all internetable. <laughs> um, she meets a guy at the wedding, mm-hmm. and that's who the last shot is with. And that's it was right. it was played by John Corbett. He's he's just so John Corbett. He's just that guy, he right? He's just that nice. I got guy. to st- I got to do. A, we had a me and Andy, and he had this whole walk uh-huh. through the party into the dance thing that they shot. Uh-huh. So I got to spend time with him. It was so I think it was really. It was interesting. Um, and I think it was hard for him. I mean, he came in to do this one thing with Julia Roberts. Wait. He's supposed to be. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you, man, I don't know how you step up to that. Yeah. If there's either chemistry or not. Well, right? yeah. I mean, especially because you had all been bonding for weeks and weeks and then you're just like, oh, hey, here I am. And I'm and also like, she's the biggest movie. one, a huge star. Yeah. He was still John Corbett, but yeah. It was yeah. before Sex in the City. I mean, yeah, he was he more than an exposure guy. And he wasn't in My Big Fat Creek Wedding yet. Oh, that's what he was into, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adorable. He was, he was very nice. Adorable film. Um, okay, and then some, did they like test it for an audience and people were like, fuck this ending? I don't know. You don't know why it changed, but it did? Yes, correct. The end is so good. It is. It is. Good. It's perfect. It's a better ending than it's trying better to make ending. her give her a, ha- a happy romantic ending would have felt no, very forced. pat. Yeah. I yeah. bet. I wonder if that's one of those things where they shot it both ways, or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been knowledgeable enough to pay attention to something like that. But yeah. um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. As uh, someone who has mostly gay men as friends, I'm very mm, satisfied with that ending of like, uh-huh. you don't always get the guy, you don't always get what you want, but you can still have a really fucking good time if you have like a right. fun friend around. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love her in Mystic Pizza too. Mm-hmm. And Notting Hill. If I don't like the movie Notting Hill. I'm a bad person. If they do a remake of Mystic Pizza, I'm gunning for Julia's role. I think aesthetically I look kind of like her. Who directed Mystic Pizza? I don't remember, but everyone's so good in it. And if they remake St. Elmo's Fire, I'm gunning for Demi Moore's role. I want to like rock back and forth and kind of fan. I'm like, too old. I'm too die. old for that Andrew McCarthy role, but man. You could you would kill it. Do you have a favorite John Hughes movie? Speaking of Chicago, hearkening back to that. Favorite John Hughes movie. I mean, there's so many. Mm, I mean, I'm not the hugest John Hughes guy. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess. Uh, Mine's Ferris Bueller's. Dad. I mean, I guess Ferris Bueller's kind of the apex. Yeah. He like, doesn't have the weird. Problematic. S- problematic tropes. stuff like Sixteen Candles. Even at the time, was kind of like that's not a, that's not good. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my favorite John Hughes movie isn't a John Hughes movie, which is Risky Business, which oh. is the the dark underbelly of the John Hughes uh-huh. movies, kind mm-hmm. of. The yeah. Paul Brickman movie. Paul Brickman? I don't know. What's his name? Anyway. I, I love that movie. Risky Business? Yes. Also, obviously, has some problematic stuff in it. It's just outdated. The, yeah. Well, yeah. You know. They're like hiring, you know, prostitutes. And... I, I don't think I've even seen that movie all the way through. Oh, that movie is interesting. Really? Kind of dark underbelly, especially the North Shore of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I, think... I like some kind of wonderful too, but that's oh Chicago yeah, movie. that's John Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that movie too. You know, Eric Stoltz almost played Marty McFly, and then he got fired. I know. Have you seen the um, no footage? Oh yeah, no. there's footage because Michael J is just so cute. I don't want to see anyone else play. It's Marty amazing ever. though because it's the exact. It's it's like they replaced like frame for frame. Yeah, didn't they shoot like the whole movie? Or, like, no, no, movie? I don't think so. They shot a few like That'd a week or a couple weeks. Up. You know, um, uh, Jeff Daniels replaced Michael Keaton in um, Purple Rose of Cairo. No kidding. Yeah, after a few weeks. The more you know. And Martin Sheet, Sheen replaced Harvey Keitel in Apocalypse Now after, I think, a while. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. I was in an acting class recently, and they literally assigned us this reading of... She literally never does that. Lillian, don't fucking embarrass me. Um, they assigned us this reading that was like, here's all the times as an actor that you can get fired. And it's just a list of like 30 different times... Even after you have your Valerie Cherish moment of "Well, I got it," where you can get canned, I, but at that point, it's like you're so, it's so out of your control. Like there's so little you can control. Where like it is what it is. What were you gonna say? I got a pilot, and it shot in New York, and me and the lead woman were the only people cast. Mm-hmm. And I flew there to do it, and there was a table read the mm-hmm. next morning, and it was going to be in the corporate tower on video conference to LA mm-hmm. 
but we were the only two people cast. So every other role was just filled in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my manager and agent saying, don't unpack because people get fired uh-huh. after table reads all the time, especially on comedies. Uh-huh. And you, they're not going to fire her. She's a huge star. So yeah. they, if it doesn't go well, they might just fire you just because. Mm-hmm. So I went, I literally left my bags and I did not unpack. I slept, put my clothes on, I slept, I got dressed, and I went uh-huh. back to the hotel and waited for like two hours. And they're like, okay, you're in the clear. You can stay. Oh my God. <laughs> That's really scary. <laughs> I'm glad I knew though. Yeah. Yeah. You know those stories what they used to do on Upfronts is they would fly people to New York mm-hmm. if they'd done pilots but not know if their show was even picked up yet. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to wait that day at the hotel because they were making the decision so last minute. That would, doesn't sound pleasant. No, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, well, God, we, we just touched so many different topics. I really appreciate this. Also, I really like the show I Feel Bad and I'm really hoping for a season two. Me too. Thank you. Yeah, it's really cute. I love nice it. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. Where can my listeners find you on social medias? Instagram is at Paul Edelstein and mm-hmm. Twitter is at Edelstein Paul. Why did you reverse that? I, I think there was <laughs> Paul Eelson was already taken and I didn't know I could say that's not fair. So you were just like, I'm gonna flip this shit. Yeah. Make yep. it work. Yep. Cool. Well thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>